Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Fantastic. Well, we're just about to approach our 21 days of prayer and fasting, as Pastor Frank has said. Some people have already started, which is fantastic. For most of us, it begins tomorrow, and uh, we begin our prayer meeting tonight after the service. And so I want to preach a message, surprise, surprise, on the subject of prayer. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about prayer, and I want us to dive right into it because I want us to leave some space for God to continue what He's already begun tonight in this meeting. So if you've got your Bibles, give me a hey. All right, that's good. That's good. All right, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, this famous chapter on the subject of prayer. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to have it up on the screens tonight. Luke chapter 11, it says in verse 1, Now it came to pass when he was praying, this is talking about Jesus, in a certain place when he had ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. It's a great thing to ask Jesus, isn't it? I don't know about you, but, you know, if I want to learn about something, particularly when it comes to the things of God, I think it's a great place to ask. Say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And this was his reply in verse 2. And so he said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he continues on in verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, everyone say persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. For if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What a great passage of Scripture. You know, I wanted to, to, to really spend the time reading all of these verses because there's so much in this passage, in this chapter, as Jesus is approached by one of His disciples. And He's asked this question, would you teach or would you teach us how to pray? And he, and he begins to teach him what, what we refer to now as the Lord's Prayer. 
And then he continues on the subject of prayer by sharing this story, this parable of the persistent friend. And for many of us, we would know uh, a great message Pastor Matt uh, spoke just recently about shameless audacity. He speaks out of this story. And then Jesus wraps it up with this great exhortation. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Amazing passage. Great teaching on this subject, this subject of prayer. Prayer, it's, it's something that is a normal part of our day-to-day life as a Christian, right? Or is it? You know, surveys would tell you that uh, in Australia right now, about 50% of our population would identify themselves as a Christian. 50% that would say that I believe in God. But further studies would also identify that around 30% of the population would admit when asked and when surveyed that they would spend any sort of time in prayer during a week. 30%. So even though we have 50% of the population that would say, yes, I believe in God, yet only a, a percentage of that would actually say that I'm spending time in prayer. See, for for many Christians, prayer is a regular part of their day. However, for many, having a regular and vibrant prayer life is a real struggle. And I love this subject of prayer. It's something that's close to home for me because I want to share a message not to embarrass or shame anyone who might have struggled in this area. I want to preach a message that will encourage you. And I think it's awesome that we can come to church and be real in church. Because you know what, the enemy wants to come and try and sort of tell you that, you know, you're the only one that struggles in this area. You're the only one that has problems. You know, you're the only one that might struggle. Everyone else is such a holy Christian. But yet the truth is many, many people struggle in this area. I want to preach a message tonight called, Why Don't People Pray? And I think the uh, great place to start to answer this question, why don't people pray, is to ask the question, why do people pray? You know, again, studies tell us that one of the main reasons why people pray when they, is, is when they go through a personal crisis or trauma in their life. And so we see that, that people who haven't been in church for months, maybe not even opened their Bible in years, will turn to prayer in a crisis. We know that, right? We see that on social media. We see it on the news. You know, people that are living uh, uh, what we would say is quite an ungodly life. And, uh, you know, celebrities, different people would hashtag pray for certain things at a time of crisis. In fact, these studies tell us that even 20% of people that would say that they are non-religious have turned to prayer in a time of crisis in their lives. And so we should, right? We should turn to God. We should turn to God in our crisis. But really, I want to ask the question, what about today? Do we need Him today? Do we need God in our lives today? I mean, the real question is, do we really need God in our lives? See, we can say that we do, but the truth is the way we live our life, the things that we sow our time into really, if I'll be honest, reflects that. See, our prayer life reflects the condition of our soul. Are we living in our own strength, in our own enabling, or are we living each day relying on God's strength and His enabling? 
See, why is praying sometimes so hard for Christians to do? Well, well, there's many reasons, but really the top two reasons, I believe, is the first thing is we get distracted. Put simply, you know, we, we, we intend to spend time with God, but we get distracted by the things that, are, that we need to do in our lives. They take our attention. The second reason why I believe that Christians struggle to pray is that we don't have a proper understanding of the purpose and the power of prayer. See, this was my story. I came to church, was dragged to church really by my mum, my uh, myself and my brother, her two boys bringing us to church. We grew up in church and, and I made a commitment to God. I started to serve God as a, as a, as a young adult, as I finished high school, I started to serve God and I, and I had a revelation that God was real and had, a perf- and had a plan and a purpose for my life. And I was serving, I was loving God, I was wanting to grow in God, but if I be honest with you today, I struggled in my prayer life. I struggled to spend time, not because I didn't want to, I wanted to, I wanted to please God, I wanted to grow, I wanted to, to know Him more, I wanted to please Him with my life. But yet I struggle to spend time with God. You know, different responsibilities started to come into my world, a, a demanding job, responsibilities of being a husband, being a dad. And I was struggling in my prayer life. Yeah, sure, I could blame life's realities and, and, and responsibilities and distractions in my life. However, as I started to say, God, what is the problem? What is wrong with me? I realized that I'd, it had begun to highlight something, that there was an issue with the way that I saw God, the way that I related to God. See, see I saw God somewhat like a supermarket. You know, I'd go to God when I needed something. I don't know about you, but for most people, they don't enjoy going to the supermarket unless they need something. Well, I'm one of those people. If you're not one of those people, I think you're strange. Because most of us, you know, you don't want to battle the crowd, the car parks, go out of the comfort of your house, go out of your way. You know, the thing is that that you go there because you need something. The rest of the time, when you don't need something, you're happy that you know it's there. You know where to go when you need something again. But you know what? I'm happy just to drive on past because I don't need to stop in again. And that's how I was living my relationship with God. When I needed something, hey, he was the first person I was going to. I'd come down the front. I'd say, yes, God, I've got a need in this area. Speak to me about my job or about, you know, this situation. We need a house. All these things, the needs in my life. But the truth is I had a pretty good life. So there wasn't a lot of times that I really felt myself in a desperate need. And so there wasn't a lot of times that I'd come to God in prayer. I lived my life believing that prayer was something that I only needed to do when I had a need. And I think many Christians, just like me, have a limited understanding or maybe a misunderstanding about the true purpose and power of prayer. So what is the true purpose of prayer? See, many people think that the purpose of prayer is to get answers, but the core purpose of prayer is not to get answers, but to get connected. To get connected. You know, I love this uh, quote from Mother Teresa. She says, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at His disposition and listening to His voice in the depth of our hearts. See, I love this passage in Luke chapter 11. See, the disciples come to Jesus, and when they asked him, teacher, uh, Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus didn't turn to them and said, okay, start to get a list of your needs. 
What did he say? Jesus said the first thing, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. See, when you understand that prayer is worship, prayer begins with worship. We start to say, God, it's not about my needs. It's about me understanding who you are in my life. It's not the things that I surround myself. I just come to you when I've got a crisis in my life. Understand that God wants to spend time in relationship with us. See, Jesus is teaching us. Because worship is taking the position of bowing down and humbling ourselves and moving towards God in our hearts. And that's what prayer is. When we realize we can't do it on our own, You know, it might look good on the surface, but what about tomorrow? You know, you might have needed God in the past, but what about today? Do you recognize your need for God or are you living? Saying, I'm happy to rely on myself. So the priority of prayer should be connection and fellowship. See, I've read Luke 11 many times, and even though I understood the point of what Jesus was, was trying to make in this parable, I also found it somewhat confusing. Let me just summarize it for you. Jesus tells the story of a friend who visits another friend in the middle of the night, the most inappropriate time, because a different friend is visiting and the friend doesn't have enough food, so he goes to the first friend's house to ask if that friend, if he can borrow uh, some, some food and bread from him because he needs to feed his other friend. Do you understand why I'm confused? So many different friends. But even though I understand that Jesus makes the comment, he says, hey, friendship alone is not enough to get what you need. Friendship alone, but, but, but a persistence, a, a relentless persistence, this, this, this idea of uh, I'm just going to push through. Let me make the statement today. It was only because of friendship that that person was in that place in the first place. It's only because of that relationship. Who knows that, that, you know, the truth is that if someone came to your or my door in the middle of the night and I didn't know them, a complete stranger, there would probably be three responses in the house tonight. We would either ignore it, we would either call the cops, or we would answer the door with a baseball bat in our hands, right? The truth is, if some stranger rocks up to your house, now I live in the middle of uh, the hills, Belgrave, and it's dark everywhere, there's not many street lights, so it's even scarier if someone just rocks up to your house and you just like, you can't even see them. I'm like, who the heck is at my door tonight? The truth is, there are rules when it comes to relationships, right? We set rules for ourselves. Now, I'm not saying God sets these rules. I'm saying we set these rules. The truth is, if I know you well, I feel comfortable or okay with doing something like asking you for for three loaves of bread, something like that in the middle of the night. Or if I know you little, I feel like I'm not entitled to ask you for such things, right? We understand we set different rules up in relationships. It's like the whole deposit and withdrawal theory. Like like I remember when I first moved to Melbourne, I I wasn't uh, as familiar with freeways because in Adelaide, we don't have any. Well, we we do have one. It was a one-way freeway that they would just change the direction every now and then. But now I believe it's a two-way freeway, which is fantastic because people can actually travel on it when they need to. But Melbourne has lots of different highways and freeways. And I went on to the East Link one day, and I was driving my old uh, white Commodore sedan. And now look at... 
it had some problems. It was a great car, but, it, but the petrol gauge didn't work properly. And so I remember driving on the East Link. I think I was on the way into the city or Doncaster. I was committed into the East Link. I, I didn't realize that I don't think they even had, maybe they had the servo that's on the East Link, but I'd, I'd well past that. And I realized I got myself in trouble. The, the lights, all the things sort of started to happen in the car. And I sort of just had to find my way to the side of the road in the middle of the East Link. And I thought, what am I going to do? Literally, we'd been here for maybe like two weeks. I think Bernie might have been at work. It was my day off. I'm thinking, who can I call to save me, to rescue me out of this situation? I mean, we'd hardly been here. We didn't really know anyone. I mean, I thought, like, maybe I can just ask one of the guys in the, in the team. Well, that would be unfair because they, they don't, I didn't really know them. So I thought, I'll ask Pastor Matt. <laughs> and he ignored my phone call. No, he didn't ignore my phone call. He didn't ignore my phone call. He answered my phone call. He said, what's up, Mark? I said, I have tra- I got myself caught on the East Link. He goes, where are you? I'm like, I'm looking around. I think I can see maybe that Springvale Road sign or some sort of exit around there. He goes, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I think it was about 30 minutes away. So I don't know how that happened, but uh, <laughs> it was amazing. And he arrived and he saved me. He rescued me out of that situation. And, you know, I think we need to put our hands together for Pastor Matt, by the way. That's just a good career move, by the way. I'm just just putting that out there, just, you know. But the truth is, it was because of relationship that I would even, even though it was embarrassing and I knew that I was putting him out and I, and I felt terrible about that, it was because of relationship that I would ask Pastor Matt to help me in that situation. Who understands? We put rules on relationships. And the same is when we come to prayer, we come to God in prayer. We have these rules in our own mind. I don't think God sets them, but we say, hey, I can't ask you much because I don't know you well. And if I know you well, I can ask you for much. So the point of prayer is about building relationship. See, the priority of prayer is connection, and the goal of prayer is to know Him more. See, the purpose of prayer is to connect the heart of man with the heart of God in conversation and relationship. And when I started to understand that, it totally changed my perspective of what prayer was about. I stopped thinking, do I have a need? Well, if I have a need, I'm going to start to pray. I started realizing there is something amazing as I start to spend time in conversation with God where I can start to understand His heart for me, His heart for humanity, and I want to be a part of that. See, Jesus taught us to pray. He said, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My question tonight, church, is are you walking in rhythm? Are you walking in step with God? Are you praying the sort of prayers that expects God to start to walk in stride with you? Or are you saying, God, I want to approach you, understanding your will. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, in this city of Melbourne, in, across the globe. I want to know what your desires are. It's not about just downloading, God, would you just meet this prayer? Would you answer this? Would you just understand my desires and get it done for me? It's saying, God, I position myself to understand your heart, your will, your thoughts, your desires for my life, and for this world. See, prayer is agreement. 
Agreement comes when we pursue greater relationship. You know, I was thinking about this passage. I love this passage. Jesus didn't waste stories, didn't waste words. As I realize this passage, it starts to identify not just that prayer is a relational thing, but it actually starts to highlight the relationships that we can have. And we need to get a fresh revelation tonight as we start to step into this 21 days of prayer and fasting saying, God, I want to know who you are. Because when you know who God is and who's uh, uh, in your corner, then you understand you can start to, to pray bold prayers. You can ask for greater things because you know who you're praying to. You're not sending words out into the cosmos and hoping that it lands somewhere. You're praying to a God who wants to have relationship with you. Firstly, we have a friend. You know, the Bible speaks about it. You know, Jesus even himself made this statement in John chapter 15. It says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. He calls you friends. He calls me friends. If we choose to follow after God, if we've made a commitment to say, you are my Lord and my Savior, then he calls us friend church. We have a relationship with the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth as a friend, not only a friend, but as a Savior, because he himself actually did the very thing that he spoke about. He laid down his life for us. You know, the Bible tells us that we were alienated, we were away, we were dead in our sins, we were, we were separated from God, but because of what Jesus did for us, that we were once distant, but God has called us close. So now we can understand that we have a relationship with God through our friend and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, this evening, you need to get a revelation that you have a friend and a Savior friend who is in your corner. But not only do we have a friend, we have a father. See, who knows that there's certain things that you can ask of a stranger. There's another thing, sort of level of things you can ask as, as a friend, but there's another level of things you can ask to a father. I mean, just ask my kids. I mean, they'll tell you. I mean, they'll just show you by their actions. I mean, I mean there's, there's not many homes where it would be unusual for, for the children just to simply just walk in and access the fridge. Just grab whatever you want. You don't need to knock on the door. Whereas you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even do that with a close friend. I'd still knock on their door. I'm not going to rock up to Pastor Matt and Frank's house and just open their fridge and start accessing the, the, the stuff in their fridge. However, ice cream, sometimes it's worth taking a risk on. But the truth is, right, we understand that, but when you go, like, even if you leave home, you go back to your parents' house, I go back to my, my parents' house, I'm just walking straight in, I'm opening the fridge, I'm like, what do you got going on here, mum? Oh, that looks nice, and you start to eat it, drink it, what? who understands that? Our kids don't have any concept of, like, budgets, bills, other responsibilities, they want something, they ask mum and dad, they normally ask mum, because the truth is, they're going to get... More, more chance of getting it if they ask mom. But you understand that we have a father in heaven. We need to get a revelation. He is our provider. This is what it says, our father in heaven. This is what Jesus, he said, this is the focus of your prayers. He said, father, our father in heaven, give us day by day. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So you need to understand that we have a Father who wants to be our provider. We have a Heavenly Father that wants to be our refuge and our strength. We have a Heavenly Father that wants to be our protector and our deliverer. And we can come to Him with boldness saying, God, I thank you because, not because of anything I did, but because of what you did. You chose to brought me, bring me close because of sending your Son to die on the cross so that I can have relationship with you. I wonder if we can stop talking about it, but actually start to realize, hey, let's live it out in our hearts. We actually have been brought close, so why don't we start to access it? Why don't we start to believe that we can pray bold prayers because of the relationship that we have? Nothing to do with our efforts, but because of everything that God has done on our behalf. Luke chapter 11, verse 11, it says, And if a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a, so a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? My third point is we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Father... His greatest desire, His greatest pleasure is to give us the help of the Holy Spirit. Our counselor, our guide, our empowerer. And so we need to have a revelation. We need to know who we're praying to. As we start to look and say, God, I thank you that I have a Savior and I have a friend. I have a heavenly Father, and I have the helper in the Holy Spirit. And I desire not just to lay my list of needs before Him, but I desire first and foremost to know You, to connect in relationship with You. See, desire to know Him, and then you desire to ask Him. Desire to know Him more, and you start to get the boldness to ask Him for more. See, asking is a natural byproduct of knowing. I'll say it again. Asking is a natural byproduct of knowing. And see, we understand that when we start to get the order right, when we start to get the focus of our prayers right, well, then we know that God says, come and ask me. Come and, and seek me for the things that you desire, and I want to open up heaven to you. He said, so I, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. See, I wonder tonight whether as we start the fast together, as we start to, to really bring uh, our focus and intention around prayer, whether we would come to that place. For some tonight, I'm preaching to the choir. You understand it. You live it out. But for others that would identify with my story, there's no embarrassment. There's no shame in saying, hey, I, I, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this. I, I want to do it. I want to know God in a greater way. I want to spend time praying, but, but I, I too have struggled with this. Well, you know what? I love the fact that as we start to bring it to light, we shame not ourselves, but we shame the devil because he has no hold on us anymore. And we start to realize, hey, no matter where we're at, God calls us deeper. God calls us closer. So you can make a choice, church. 
hey, you know, I reckon I've I've got a long way to go, but I'm going to start moving forward. I'm going to start making some decisions and spend some time. You know, what I realized about uh, what Jesus was teaching, he didn't say when you have to pray and how you have to pray. He just gave us the script. This is the focus and intention of your prayer. So for some people, hey, getting up super early is the best thing. And, and I'm all for that starting the day, you know, just focusing on God. But maybe that hasn't worked for you before. But don't give up. For someone, maybe for you, uh, going on a prayer drive is, is, is a thing that's going to unlock this prayer life in your, in, your, in, in your life. Maybe going for a prayer walk. Maybe spending time just thinking about God through the day. Maybe spending you know, 10 minutes here, 5 minutes here. Every time you have a thought and they have to make a decision or, or things come your way, bring it to God. God, I want to have relationship with you. Maybe that's the key. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but just start to do it. Start to say, God, I want to grow in my relationship with you. And then I'm going to have the boldness to start to ask. I wonder if I can just invite the worship team to come. And really, as we just start this, I thought it would just be a great thing for us to come back to just the pure focus. God, what is that? What is it that you're wanting us to just come back to as we just think about prayer? You know, for some people, you've been in church a long time and this is a wonderful drum to beat, but you've heard it before. And maybe you just switch off because you think it hasn't worked for me. For others, you're like, man, I just can't wait. This is fantastic. Let me add it. No matter where you're at with that, I want to encourage you tonight. Come to God and say, God, I desire you more. Before I ask anything, I desire you. Before anything that I can uh, want in my life, I just want to know you. I want to grow in my relationship with you. And would you humble yourself to say, God, I surrender. And I acknowledge I might not be in a crisis, but I need you. I need you in my life. This is what God said. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their lands. What a great promise. If my people would turn, turn to me, turn away from their ways and turn to me and begin to pray, well then my promise is I'll come and I'll hear their prayers and I'll begin to heal their lands. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.